Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your hosts, Jana Whitford. And as always, Maria. And we are so excited today to have our wonderful guest, Sean Walsh. He's the VP of Marketing at SimSpace, and he has a storied career in cybersecurity and cybersecurity marketing. Thank you for joining. It's my pleasure. All right. Well, Sean, give us a little bit of your background before we get into grilling you about some things. Okay. A little bit of Sean's background. So this is a long, sorted story in which you may regret asking that question. But like many people in this industry, I started out as an engineer. Stepfather number five, yes, number five, and there have been seven, got me into the computer business. Everyone sort of goes, are you sure about that? <laughs> but I got into the business through stepfather number five. My junior year of high school, I wire-wrapped some initial boards for doing conversion of old IBM mainframe nine-track tape drives onto IBM PCs and writing some of the code for it. So I have literally grown up in this industry, and I've never known anything else. I said storied, and like you said sorted. So you have this like long and interesting career in the space. And the topic that we want to talk about on today's show is about layoffs, is about career change, is about the life cycle of a career in cybersecurity marketing. I think the title of this is, Are You About to Be Decimated? Your Cybersecurity Marketing Career Path. Yes. When you think about that title, the term decimated comes from a bad Roman legion reference, where when the troops weren't behaving, the centurion would go in and he would randomly kill one out of 10 people. And that's kind of how layoffs feel right now, is everyone's looking at the other person going, okay, who's going to get hit with the rock next? And you have some of the really public things like we've seen, obviously, with Twitter and Elon Musk and that sort of thing. And then you see some of the more traditional, subtle 500 people here, 900 people there. And there seems to be this sort of 10% rule. I think it was Jack Welsh when he was at GE had that monstrous theory that you should fire the bottom 10% of your company every year. And you use that as a metric because the probability that you'll hire someone back is better than the 10% you let go. I never quite subscribed to that theory, obviously. But as we have seen, when people rise in management, sometimes they're not the most humane when they do these things. And unfortunately, we're entering a phase where companies seem to feel that over the last three years, the power base has been with the employee because of the heat of the job market. And Mm. now we're starting to see companies go, okay, COVID's over, or at least substantially subsided, and we can start to take a little more employee risk. We're going to tighten up our P&Ls. We're going to tighten up our cash flow. And we've seen this happen with Cyber Reason and many other companies already in our space. Yeah, there's been quite a list of companies that have had to enter into some layoffs, had to let go of folks. And at least in the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, 
for anyone who's listening who has been affected, we're here to help. If you are a cybersecurity marketer who was recently laid off, join our community, post in the job board. We've helped many, many, many people find jobs and we want to help you. It's a rough market right now, but companies are still hiring. And I think you hit on the key point, which is companies are still hiring and it's other people that will get you the job. I love LinkedIn. It's a great tool. But if you're one of 500 resumes that are being sent in, no one looks at them. It just doesn't happen. And the most important thing is to know, hey, there's a rec open. And now who do I know at that company? Who do I know that's going to get me a connection in there? For all the things that we talk about in our industry about AI and machine learning and automation, it's still human beings that make all the connections. Yeah, 100%. And not to plug the society uh, once more, but that's exactly what the group did. It humanized those resumes on that pile. You have direct access to the hiring manager sometimes, right, within the Slack group. And if you're very engaged and people know who you are and what you do, and if you've shared successes before, then you already built your brand and your reputation within the group. And you're immediately one of the top candidates for the hiring managers to consider. You mentioned that some of these things are inevitable, right? We're at the mercy of the market and its health. But what are some things, marketers that are either midway in their career, just starting, what are some things, what are some skill sets that we need to equip ourselves with so we can pick right back up if it happens to us, right? And land somewhere, whether it's full-time, whether it's consulting, what's some advice you have? The first thing to do is spend some time coping. I don't care who you are. I don't care how advanced you are in your career. I don't care how good you are. There is going to be a crisis of insecurity when you're on that list and you start to psychoanalyze and overthink everything. And you know what? It happens to all of us. I have had bosses who think I am a complete idiot doesn't know how to do my job, and they are glad to see me go. And I've had other managers that have let me go that were in tears because they didn't want to do this. They didn't think it was the right thing to do. And the number one thing is to spend a little time coping, and then you can start to think about what you want to do next. When you think about those moments, the most important thing is to be methodical to sit down and say, okay, what do I want next? I've coped, now define. Where do I want to go? What do I want to do next? What skill sets do I need to develop? And then how do you build that? One of the things we have a tendency to do is just go from, I did this at job A, I'm going to go do this at job B. And these are moments of transition where you can make a difference in your life. I don't want to say get overly dreamy about stuff, but it is a chance to step back and go, is that the path I want to stay on? It's okay to change. And I think when you start with that initial moment of coping with the transition, those are the two things that I like to do, which is cope and then analyze where you want to be. What if you don't know where you want to be? Not to just throw this like big life question at you, Sean. <laughs> but is there something you could do where you can look back at what you've done in the last position 
that you've had and sort of identify what the steps might be going forward for you or what the path might look like for you if you're kind of being like, oh, I don't even know. Yeah, I think there is. And again, this kind of goes back to some of the coping parts, but I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek and many of his lessons. And he means this typically in terms of marketing, but start with why. Why do you work? For some people, it is adventure. For some people, it is, I need a sense of purpose. I need a mission in my life. For some people, it is pure greed. When I think about why I work, I have two fundamental things. One is I feel a need for a mission and I work to generate capital for investment. Those are the reasons why. And for me, understanding why is one of the greatest coping mechanisms because it no longer puts you in a subjective position to the opinions of others. Because if you understand the purpose of why you're doing it, you may have to put up with some grief. You may have to put up with some other issues, but it gives you a sense of purpose that is beyond the job. So when you start with that transition and you're not sure where you want to go, the question you have to ask yourself is, why do you want to work? What do you want to get out of it? And if you start with why, then you can figure out how to achieve it. And then you can figure out what are the tactical steps to execute it. We've all run marketing launch plans. We all know how to dissect something, but you got to know where you're going. And that would be the next piece of advice I'd give people. This is really good. We're just like absorbing. I'm just thinking like... I had to let that sink a little bit. I was deep in thought. <laughs> For me, what's helped me across my career is the village and the network I've been able to build of people that just truly want to help. Um, and if you do a good job with creating those genuine relationships, person to person, even outside of work, even if it's with somebody who you reported to in the past or whatever, those people will always either vouch for you, cross-references, mention you in conversations, think of you when there is an opportunity. If you're blessed enough to have that village, that's a really, really nice sort of safety blanket, if you will, across tumultuous times. It is. And when you talk about the village of people that are part of your life. The one thing that always amazes me about it is the degree of empathy changes. I've even been amazed by people that I didn't really think were my best work friends, but they'll help you out because we've all been there at some point in time. And it's one of the things that I love about the society is that it gives me ability to talk to people, meet people, and reconnect with people. It gives you that bridge outside of the tactical questions of the day. I love being able to go there and read the surveys about like the one you did for Black Hat. That was great because it allowed me to see what other people were doing. It allowed me to reach out and ask questions to people. And folks love it when you consult with them. And the same is true when it comes to jobs is they feel better when they're helping you. And when you ultimately break down this transition, Again, as we opened, it's going to be people that make the difference. And you will find that helping people makes you feel as good as being helped. Mm -hmm. I think it warms Maria and mine's heart with knowing that people could connect in our community and make those relationships and give out a helping hand to others. And it definitely feels great to help people directly too. To tie this back to being laid off and layoffs, and some of us don't have the luxury of a lot of deep thought. 
after a lot of self-consolation after a layoff because you kind of got to you're working for money and for your rent and your mortgage and you got to get back to work. But on the flip side of that, I'm curious, is there a way to see it coming? Do you have any red flags that come up in your mind? You've been at lots of companies, have like a really long career. Were there any patterns or any sort of flags you could see that were like, oh yeah, there's probably a layoff coming? So the short answer to that question is, yeah, there are some really obvious things that you can look at. If you're in a public company, because I'm going to give two answers to this. So if you're in a public company, listen to the quarterly calls. Most people don't do that. And if you want to understand what's really happening, you watch Section 16 officers, they're going to tell the street the truth. They're going to tell the street if revenues are going to be up, if revenues are going to be down, if they're tightening their belt, if they say things like, we're going to look at OPEX, we're going to manage EPS. Those are big red flags to, we will spend less money, which usually translates to less human beings, unfortunately. If you're looking at it from a private company perspective and you really want to understand, go make friends with the SEs because the SEs will tell you whether they're busy, whether the deals are happening, whether deal reg is coming in, whether or not they're doing enough demos or POCs. Every place I've ever been, the SEs are really the clue to the future. Oh my God, that's so funny. The SEs are like the truth tellers. (laughs) They are. Most SEs are engineers at heart, which means they're not particularly good at bullshitting. And they, more than any other person, live off of their credibility in our space. Because they're the ones, if it doesn't work, they have to walk into those CISOs and SecOps people and explain it. Marketing gets some leeway. Salespeople, no one expects them to be 100% credible. Engineers, they're (laughs) dreamers and hopers. SEs, they are the absolute truth tellers of what's going on. I can't, I can't deal with this. That's so funny. (laughs) That's like hilarious. And it's so true. It's all like, we're all selling a dream, selling a product, selling. And the SEs are the ones that are like, they get comps on deals too. And they're like, the product's not working or there's not enough deal flow. They'll actually be able to see through it and say it with a straight face. That's so funny. I've never seen advice from an SE fail me. Are there any other flags? The biggest thing that strikes me then is when you start looking at what are the emails that you get? So around most private companies, every time they close the deal, there's an email that goes out. And if you see the cadence of those emails start to slow down, that's your other very obvious sign that it's probably time to prepare yourself. What can you do to prepare yourself then? The signs are in the air or whatever. Like, What would your first few steps be? Three ways I'm going to answer that. There is your career planning. So before anything could possibly ever go wrong, you have to know what are the most important skill sets for you to learn. So I had a conversation with a junior product manager recently. And they've gone through their analyst relations work because they came from an analyst relations firm. This is their first product marketing job. And they've gone through their first product launch. They've done a rebrand. They've written content. And they've done some repositioning and some market analysis. And the next thing I told them is that when you look across marketing, There are some core disciplines. There's analyst relations, there's press relations, there's channel, there's product marketing, 
There is the MSSP, there's the digital side, and there's all these different things. You should plan on 12 to 18 month assignments in each of those disciplines. And that creates a broader portfolio for you to then apply for jobs. So you always want to be thinking about where does that go? In the moment in which you're dealing with a transition where you've seen the red flags, let's face it, we've all been on dates and we know when the red flags come up and we should be heading for the door or texting our friends going, I need to get out of jail free text. (laughs) When you start to see those, activate your network early. And then the third part is if you're past that transition, then you have to treat this like a day job. Every single day, get up and you're going to allocate three hours and you're going to spend one hour identifying possibilities. You're going to spend one hour networking into those possibilities. And then you're going to spend one hour practicing and rehearsing interview questions So you know the answers to the questions they're going to ask you on that for any of those companies that you're there. The single biggest mistake that I think most people make when they go to interview is they haven't done the research on the company. Mm -hmm. Yes. As someone who hires people, it's so immediate, so obvious. Sometimes I even start with, so tell me what you know about us. And then anyone who says, well, I read on your website that that's great. You did like the bare minimum. Of, of learning about what the heck you are purporting to want to get into. And then the other part is when you're done with those three hours a day, work out and go have fun. Because most people get incredibly neurotic of, I got to spend 12 hours a day doing this. And you know what? Hiring, unfortunately, for most people is the last thing that most managers are focused on because they still have their day jobs to do. This is now additive on top of it. It's a process and you really can't speed it up. You can make sure that you track it. But once you've done the base work, you've done your follow-up, you've followed the right protocols, enjoy that time off. Don't let it get away from you because it's a rare gift in and of itself. It's maybe not a gift you wanted, but it's one you should take advantage of. What about how to handle the awkward question on an interview about what happened with the layoff? And we know that I think the majority of people that get laid off is not necessarily because of their performance, but because of things outside of their control and stuff like that. What are some ways we can handle that awkward question? I'm thinking, yeah, in an honest way for sure, but let's dissect that a little bit. So I think when you look at a riff, you have to start with what was the overall performance of the company. So you need to say, look, there were major competitive factors. We entered the market at the same time as four other venture funded firms. The market evolved. One of these companies had a better product and the market dynamics shifted. And unfortunately, we were not one of the winners in the market. That is a perfectly valid thing to say. But it's not just being truthful. It's being candid about the market situation. It's an opportunity for you to demonstrate that you understand what occurred. Yeah. Sorry. I just agree really hard. I'm just like, (laughs) yes, yes. You can show that you understand business this way. The second part is to explain, was your function vital to the go forward operations of the company? And if you say, look, 
I was one of six product marketing people. I was the most junior one and they kept the more senior people. And all these folks worked with my previous boss at three other companies. Folks get it. We've all Mm -hmm. been there. Mm -hmm. We've either been the boss that kept our favorites or we've been on the other side of that equation. That is so true. That is so true. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon, are available to look at, listen to, and sponsor at HackerValley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows, and uh, sponsor a podcast or two. The third part that I think is important is to say, when I step back and I look at my performance there, I feel I did these three or four things very well. These are two areas where I can understand why if my boss evaluated me, I need to improve them. Because self-awareness is a critical part of both personal growth and career growth. And I think demonstrating that is a positive thing. Love that. Yeah, being vulnerable and just honesty makes for a less awkward conversation with that particular question. I love that. love your advice. Yeah, I like it's not... I was let go because I was too awesome. (laughs) It might not be your fault at all, right? Again, I'm not saying it's a performance related thing, but I like this thought of being able to, and they're going to ask you anyway, what's your biggest weakness or whatever. I like the thought of being able to identify that ahead of time and be able to talk honestly and navigate that to set you up in a better position for the interviews that you're doing this round and the next round. Let's say we're considering a company or we're being considered for a role at a company, what are some red flags to consider before joining? How do oh, we that's a good point. Right? How do we do that health check? Like, okay, what are some of the things I need to make sure I confirm before I sign that offer letter? In your opinion, anyway, across your experience. There's a public company answer to that, and there's a private company answer to that. Yeah, and I think also like startup, right? I think it probably applies more to the early stages, the startups, the smaller companies, maybe, versus the bigger, more established ones, right? Yep. So I have this parable I'm going to tell you, okay? There once were two dudes, because it's usually two dudes. One is a brilliant introvert. The other is a aggressive extrovert. And you have just described the start of almost every cybersecurity company in the world. (laughs) and they end up going through five or six teams while their product works, and they eventually get there. So my number one thing when I look at a startup is, are these first-time CEOs? Mm, Yeah. Because if they are, I run for the hills. Oh, boy. (laughs) I've seen it over and over and over again. Being a CEO There is no book for it. It is only the school of hard knocks. And you want someone that has stubbed their toe on every one of those rocks already. Number two is you got to look at who the investors are. And that will tell you a lot about the quality of the company. The third thing is, can you try the product online and do the demo? If you can't 
download the product, use it yourself and figure it out. Users can't either. And that's a great clue. I'm going to use security scorecard as an example. I got hired there and I got let go in eight months. Lots of chaos, lots of craziness. Great investors. But the product, amazing. I was able to use that product and understand what it did in less than 30 minutes. And I knew that it could be sold. There's a reason that that segment between Blue Voyant and Black Kite and Security Scorecard have raised a billion dollars. Okay, when you look at that cluster, number four is look at Crunchbase. Look at the people and what their competitors are and what that segment has been generating. If you're seeing multiple rounds in those A, B, C, D rounds, then you know that there's traction in there because they're not putting that money in again because of that. And then from there, it's people. You've got to go talk to other people that work there because they will tell you point blank. My advice when I'm in situations, I have had companies where, are you unemployed? Yes. Okay. This is better than not being unemployed. I've had ones where I go, do you have a good job? If you do, this is not worth the transition because this place has its set of issues. And that's the type of question you got to ask them point blank. And I find that the glass doors of the world and that sort of stuff, you either get the two extremes. You get people that have drank the Kool-Aid and you can't change their mind, or you get the disgruntleds and the angries, and rarely something in between. If you are looking at any company, like find someone who works there, yep. who is not the person that's interviewing you and isn't the CEO and like just shoot a few LinkedIn's or find their emails, shoot a few emails out and be like, Hey, I'm considering the company. Like, can I talk to you for 15 minutes about your experience working here? So I can learn more about the culture. And if you get people, nobody will put anything in writing, of course, but if you get people on the phone, you'll hear a lot of truths about any given company. That's so true. Absolutely. Well, Sean, this has been such an enlightening conversation. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Gianna, is it time to play our game? Time to play our game. Want to explain the rules? Yeah. So, Sean, Gianna and I usually do a terrible job of guessing what our esteemed guests would be doing if they weren't working in cybersecurity marketing today. There are rules, I guess. We can't pick any previous job that you've had, or we can't look on your LinkedIn and see what associations you're part of, if you're like a dog person or whatever. Though I have cheated in the past. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. And I think I like a crazy idea. I don't even know if this is going to land. But I think you'd be doing something in the culinary world, whether it's as a chef or as a restaurant entrepreneur or both. So I come from a family of people that have run restaurants and I worked in them growing up. And it's the reason that I would never do it for a living. Those people work so hard in so many weird hours and nights and weekends. I am not dedicated enough to do it that way. My grandpa lived on top of the restaurant. He like would not come home. Like <laughs> It's like grueling to have a restaurant. Yeah. I have one that I think is going to nail it and be absolutely correct, but I'm not going to guess that one. I'm going to guess my silly one. Okay. Sean, I think you would be an orator in some sort of large theater, like maybe a medieval times or something. And I think of medieval times, you wouldn't be working at medieval times, Sean. I'm not saying that, but it would be akin 
to I've be had worse voice. jobs. Because, <laughs> because your voice is so soothing and wonderful. Like I could listen to you tell me about my career for hours. So anyway, who wins? Of those two, you are much, much closer. Really? You really are. <laughs> How is that even possible? How is her choice of medieval time stuff closer than me <laughs> with a legit industry, a legit job, a legit career in culinary world? So I am going to share a picture with you guys. <gasps> oh, oh, do you do the reenactments? Are you involved in those? I do Roman Legion reenactments. I am a member of the Society for Creative Acronisms. I am a junior fighter in the kingdom of Kaid's army. Oh so, my God. You nailed it. Believe it or oh. not. Why wow. am I so good at this game? <laughs> you bribed them. He told you before. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it leaked out somewhere, but <laughs> I didn't try to cheat. I didn't try. That's what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> I will send you a couple of pictures. I'm going to send you a picture of me dressed up in medieval garb. And okay. then I will send you a picture of me in armor. Oh, cool. I love this. That is cool. I'm so into the like war gaming, like reenactment like stuff. That's so fun and so cool, Sean. So strange data point. My very first paid job outside of paper routes and lawn mowing and whatever is I was Shamu at SeaWorld in the costume. Oh, no way. That's cool. That's awesome. My first summer job was standing around as Shamu. I worked at a McDonald's. Your job sounds worse because it's hot out. <laughs> <laughs> then I did a tour of duty at McDonald's. <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, thank you so much for talking. That is a storied and sorted career path then from yes. Shamu <laughs> to VP of marketing at SimSace. So Sean, where can people contact you if they want to hear more? So my Twitter is at Singulus, spelled C I. N-G-U-L-U-S. They can get me at simspace.com or sean.walsh at simspace.com. And just a tidbit for you, Singulus is Latin for girth of the earth because I'm not exactly the tiniest guy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. I love it. My Roman legion name is Singulus Tacitus Maximus. Oh my God, this is awesome. I feel like we need another episode just on that. I feel like I need to learn Latin. That's what I feel. <laughs> Sean, thank you for being on the show. We're going to include your Twitter and ways to contact you in the show notes. And thank you for being an awesome guest. It was a pleasure. Maria, want to take it away? Thanks for listening, everyone. Today, as usual, we'll have a new episode drop every Wednesday. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get alerted of the new episode dropping. Give us five stars or six or seven, however many you can. And tell your friends about the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time. See you soon.